Tonight, the Halton District School Board has officially bent the knee to Busty Lemieux. Meanwhile, they've banned me from going to any of their properties. Wow. It's Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm David Menzies, and this is the Ezra Levent Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Question, why is it that those educrats who are entrusted with educating our children also happen to be the most stupid and cowardly people on the planet? Case in point, the woke joke tall forehead types who comprise the Halton District School Board, they have proven for months now that political correctness trumps decency and common sense when it comes to that now world infamous teacher plying his trade at Oakville Trafalgar High School. Yes, I speak of Mr. Kerry Luke Lemieux, a.k.a. Ms. Kayla Lemieux, a.k.a. Busty Lemieux. He's the dude who is pretending to transition into a woman. He is doing so by donning the haberdashery and props of a drag queen. This cat would even stand out in the gay village on Halloween night, folks. And so it is that Lemieux routinely festoons his chest with a pair of fake Z-cup breasts that are barely contained by the sheer see-through tops which allow fake oversized nipples to protrude. He does not resemble a biological woman at all, but rather a caricature of a woman. And yet, since school started back in September, his over-sexualized presentation in front of minors has been tolerated because telling this person to, you know, tone it down, cover up, might be an act of transphobia. You know, I think these days transphobia is almost as bad as Islamophobia. Actually, maybe even worse. In any event, we have an update on the Busty Lemieux saga. And because we're dealing with woke reprobates at the Halton District School Board, it is, of course, all bad news. You see, last week, the HDSB said that after much investigation, it looks like there is absolutely nothing it can do to prevent Lemieux from dressing up like a drag queen. Here's what HDSB Superintendent of Human Resources, Sari Taha, said, quote, It is clear from the above analysis that the implementation of a formal staff dress code or grooming standards would likely expose the board to considerable liability. Even if a dress code is implemented for non-discriminatory reasons, it would likely be found to be discriminatory where it adversely affects an employee or group of employees on the basis of their code-protected grounds. The Ontario Labour Relations Act imposes a statutory freeze during the period when there is no governing collective agreement which prohibits employers from altering working conditions during negotiations in consideration of this and the board's obligations under the Ontario Human Rights Code, the HDSB has advised its board of trustees that even if a dress code is implemented for non-discriminatory reasons and in good faith, it would likely be found to be discriminatory, end quote. Wow, how do you like that heaping helping of inexplicable word soup, folks? But it makes no sense if the HDSB is saying that its hands are tied when it comes to a teacher dressing inappropriately due to human rights. Then what about the human rights of the children attending Halton District Schools? Well, apparently... They have no human rights when it comes to costume protocol. Indeed, should a biological girl don a spaghetti strap top, she faces suspension. But when a man dons fake breasts, the size of which make Pamela Anderson look like the chairwoman of the itty-bitty titty committee, hey, that's diversity, that's inclusion, and to say otherwise is a possible lawsuit in the making? And if the threat of litigation looms, then, hey, bring it on, Busty Lemieux. 
Why doesn't the HDSB implement a dress code for staff and see if Lemieux would have the balls to file a lawsuit? But no, the HDSB cowards excel at bending the knee. Shameful. And by the way, just who are they bending the knee to when it comes to Busty Lemieux? As stated previously, nobody believes this is a genuine male-to-female transition. As I've reported in the past, Lemieux's motivation comes down to one of two things. A, that he is pranking the board in that he is anti-woke and he is now taking the piss out of the HDSB to see how far the Halton board would go to accommodate him. Or B, he is a sexual pervert. And there is much speculation on social media that Lemieux could be suffering from autogenophilia. According to the National Library of Medicine, autogenophilia is defined as, quote, a male's propensity to be sexually aroused by the thought of himself as a female. It is the paraphilia that is theorized to underlie transvestism and some forms of male-to-female transsexualism. Autogenophilia encompasses sexual arousal with cross-dressing and cross-gender expression, end quote. Well, folks, I'm leaning toward option B, perversion. And I say this because I was recently forwarded a photo of Lemieux that allegedly dates back some three years ago. Here, check it out. Now, the person who sent this my way did not want to come on camera, but here's the skinny. This photo of Lemieux was captured at a Burlington theater that was hosting a private dance recital for little girls. Only the girls and their parents or guardians were in attendance. Allegedly, during the halftime intermission, Lemieux snuck into the theater and perched himself ringside to watch the girls dance. Alas, Lemieux was hardly inconspicuous, and some concerned parents eventually asked him to leave. And so this skunk to the garden party did indeed leave. Now, folks, do you find this anecdote as creepy as I do, that a biological male dresses up as an unflattering caricature of a woman and then takes in a private dance recital involving little girls? Is this part and parcel of autogenophilia? Was Lemieux getting sexually aroused by the dancing? If th- This is so gross. This is so disturbing. This is so despicable. And yet in this day and age of If it's trans, it's good, and if it's good, it's trans. The HDSB is only concerned about his human rights. Yes, the human rights of someone who might be a sexual pervert. Those human rights are protected, but not the human rights of innocent children. Of course, there's always another side to the story, and yes, we have reached out to Lemieux. We even visited his Burlington condo. It's a ground-level unit. The blinds are often completely open. And get a load of this. When Lemieux is off-duty and just chilling in front of the old boob tube, he takes off his breasts and his wig and his short shorts. Again, more evidence that his transition from male to female is not genuine because why is he only going through life as a female on a part-time basis? I mean, where is the commitment to those 36-pound bowling balls 24-7? In any event, he was in no mood to talk. Rather, he called the police, and the Halton Regional Police Service is happy to provide taxpayer-funded security for Lemieux because this shows how inclusive the police are. No, seriously, the Halton police even have an LGBTQ, etc. themed police cruiser. Stop in the name of rainbows. Oh, and by the way, I'd like to reach out to the Halton District School Board for an update. But if I do so, I apparently face criminal prosecution. No, seriously. In a letter addressed to me dated October 21, 2022, The director of education, Curtis Ennis, he, him, states the following, quote, on the following dates, September 19, September 21, October 12, and October 19, you access the property of the Halton District School Board. 
your conduct was in violation of our code of conduct, this letter will serve as notice that you are hereby and henceforth prohibited from entering upon any premises owned or operated by the Halton District School Board, end quote. Now, before I go on, it would seem to me that the HDSB is totally down with radical transgenderism, except when it makes an appearance at the HDSB's headquarters. You see, back on October 12th, yours truly paid a visit to the regular school board meeting in a costume that precisely mimicked the one worn by Mr. Lemieux. I've been attempting to drop off a petition signed by almost 20,000 of you demanding that the HDSB trustees and Curtis Ennis he, him resign. Check it out. Who is going to take this petition? And who is going to answer this lady's questions? Dr. Shuttleworth? Well, I don't know. I think they're obviously transphobic. They can't handle a birthing person like me asking them questions. I'm getting so nervous my uterus is about to fall out, let me tell you. We have 20, 20 16,000. That's what you do in response to asking about the children? Children, innocent Just children. Take the petition, I'm gone. Children, we as adults are supposed to protect the children. Oh, shame! 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 Why is he stepping in other classes? Why is he not restricted to only the shop room while we deal with this situation? Why is he subbing in grade 10 math and grade 10 science with 15 year olds? They're 15. They're 15. Cowards. Look at you running away. Running away. Why don't you answer? You're the adults the children depend on? Really? This is a sad world we live in when the children don't even have adults to depend on them to protect them. We gotta them. take our kids out of the school. And Every we, one of you deserves to be charged. Salary, so we gotta take the kids out of the school. Look at them Shame walking on out. Come on. Shame on every each one of you who's a trust. Please, and you stand are up. up again. Wow, cowards. Stand up, please. You're cowards. All of us, we gotta go out, walk out. Think about your calls. grandchildren. Think about where this is headed if you don't Unbelievable. Yeah, like multiple three blind mice. See how they run. See how they run. Indeed, it isn't it incredible, folks? The HDSB educrats believe that a display of drag queen-inspired transgenderism is a jolly good example of diversity with regard to the LGBTQABC plus XYZ file, when it comes to the kids attending Lemieux's shop class. But when a busty Lemieux facsimile shows up at their headquarters, whoa, that's a little too much tit for tat, if you know what I mean. That's downright triggering even, and so it is these allegedly trans-friendly trustees scurry off to their safe spaces, curl up in the fetal position, and wait for the police to remove that big, bad, transgendered bogeyman from their stomping grounds. I don't know about you, but I think the HDSB is a bit transphobic when it comes to memory menzoid. But let's go back to that letter Curtis Innes, he, him, sent me. Quote, the Trespass to Property Act provides that trespass is an offense which is punishable with a conviction of a fine that is not more than $10,000. Furthermore, the court has the power to award damages suffered by the Halton District School Board caused during the commission of an offense. In addition, under the Safe Schools Act 2000 and the Access to School Premises Regulation, your presence on any school property or premises is not permitted. Please be advised that any future attendance on any school property or premises owned or operated by the board is a provincial offense and may result in a fine to you of up to $10,000. Accordingly, if you attend on any school property or board premises, the police may be notified 
and a prosecution may be commenced under the Safe Schools Act 2000, end quote. Safe Schools Act, you say. Forget about the Ministry of Education, folks. Where's the Ministry of Labor? I mean, Lemieux breaks every shop rule in the book from wearing long-sleeved blouses to hair that is not tied up in a bun or covered by a hairnet to the wearing of jewelry. I guess asking him to obey the rules is also transphobic for some reason. But getting back to that outrageous trespass notice, talk about shooting the messenger. In the eyes of the HDSB and Curtis Ennis, he, him, it is as though I am, what, a convicted pedophile, a crazed gunman? Yet my crime was simply asking insensitive questions. But alas, a thought crime is both intolerable and unforgivable when it comes to the Halton District School Board woke warriors. By the way, in case you think we are no longer pursuing this file, nothing could be further from the truth. Indeed, we recently filed a Freedom of Information request. We want to see all the correspondence on file regarding Lemieux. The Halton District School Board is a public school board, after all, and the public has the right to know. But guess what? The Halton District School Board wants $3,935 to fork over this information. That's outrageous. All of this data is surely on some electronic database that is easily accessible. And yet these egregious educrats want almost 4000 bucks to share this information? <laughs> Give me a break already. Still, we know the unspoken strategy at play here in terms of why the HDSB is doing this. These scholars think we will be overcome by sticker shock and take a pass. Clearly, the HDSB thinks we'll bend the knee, but here's the thing, folks. We're not them. We're not scaredy cats. No, we're honey badgers. That's because the great thing about crowdfunding is that there is indeed strength in numbers. And on that note, please visit protectthestudents.ca, that's protectthestudents.ca, and contribute whatever you can so that we can indeed raise that four grand and find out what it is that the HDSB is hiding. Bottom line, our bill for information indicates how petty and downright vindictive the HDSB is. And in the meantime, this taxpayer-funded school board will have me arrested if I dare pay them a visit because they don't like prickly questions. In summary, the people who comprise the Halton District School Board are borderline brainless, horrible hypocrites, and viciously vindictive. There's your tax dollars hard at work, folks. Tell me, what's wrong with this picture? Tell me, are you okay with the fact that such incompetent and entitled idiots are entrusted with educating your children? Well, Canada's top Mountie took the stand yesterday at the Emergencies Act inquiry in Ottawa. RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky testified that going back to last February, federal politicians and bureaucrats were becoming increasingly frustrated that the Freedom Convoy protests in Ottawa seemed to only be getting bigger and bigger. As well, some were losing confidence in the Ottawa Police Service. Also on Monday, the commission released a CSIS document indicating the intelligence agency didn't view the Freedom Convoy protests as posing a national security threat. And that is a very big deal indeed, given that dealing with a national security threat is a key threshold for invoking the Emergencies Act in the first place. And joining me now is a Rebel News reporter who's been keeping a close eye on this inquiry, and that would be Celine Gallus. Hey, welcome to the Ezra Levant Show, Celine. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Oh, it is a pleasure. So, Celine, first things first, 
What did Lucky say yesterday that was the most intriguing to you? Well, you know, I think the most important part about that is that she didn't say a heck of a lot that was intriguing. Really, mm. she actually dismissed a lot of the questions that were asked to her on account of her either not being able to recall properly or having no memory of these conversations taking place. I mean, like I'm I'm talking meetings where Trudeau either was or wasn't a part of them. Uh, the liberal cabinet ministers like Al Jabra, Mendocino, etc. And she couldn't recall. So, you know, it, the the most the most important thing that she said to me yesterday was actually held in the the, the question period at the very end, the scrum, where um, a mainstream media uh, reporter actually asked her what she thought about how she conducted herself through the entire testimony. Mm -hmm. And she literally stood there, looked everyone in the eye, and she said that she thought that she did great and that she there was no risk of her being replaced as commissioner and that she was good to go. So that blatant ignorance was the most important thing that she said to me, and it was actually after her testimony. You know, that that's amazing, Celine. I mean, not being able to recall properly, not being able to remember, and this was such an important event involving oh, yeah. the RCMP, getting worldwide attention. And yet there's Commissioner Lucky basically doing uh, Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing. <laughs> I saw nothing. I mean, are you buying that or is she, I'm sorry for lack of a better uh, term, Selena, is she lying through her teeth? Yeah, absolutely. I really do think that I, uh, as you have probably already seen, and so is the audience, she had her entire testimony done with a mask on. And, you know, I know people are free to choose what they want because of uh, medical privacy. Where was that a couple of months ago? Right. But uh, with that said, I, I really think that it just stood for the fact that she either had muzzled herself or perhaps somebody else had, because what she said literally gave no new grounds. It broke no new grounds towards any other thing that we've, we haven't learned anything. Uh, in essence, we have not learned a single thing from her that we didn't already know. Uh, just maybe a little bit more about her incompetence and sadly how the RCMP has a leader like her. And it's, it's, uh, definitely, um, it's contributing to the fact that people are losing faith in the RCMP and, uh, it, it all fingers point to her in regards to that. Yeah, uh, it almost seems, Celine, twas ever thus, because in the last 15, 20 years, how many commissioners have we had at the RCMP? They, they, they go through a heavy rotation. There's always some kind of issue of uh, scandal or incompetence. And yet with uh, Brenda Lucky, it's, it just seems to be more of the same. Um, do you have any thoughts on why it is so difficult in this nation in the last couple of decades to put somebody um, in a position of strength and competence as the head honcho at the RCMP. You know, I'm not sure how many uh, commissioners we've had in the past that go beyond uh, Trudeau's Canada, but I can speak for the ones that have been in power, so to speak, since he's become prime minister. And and it's it's because of him. I don't think that it's possible for us to have any sort of leader under his leadership that is actually... <laughs> able to do their job correctly, that it actually stands, facilitates proper leadership by leading by example. When we have a prime minister that calls a bunch of Canadian patriots, misogynists, racists, homophobics, et cetera, anything under the sun, you name it. So when you have somebody like that, that's casting such a deep shadow on literally a movement that was nothing but love, light, and stood for the truth, stood for Canadians, and not just Canadians, actually, by the way, anybody that felt that they had been prosecuted over the course of the last two years by these draconian COVID mandates and restrictions is exactly what the Canadian flag stands for. So we can't have people in leadership until we drain the swamp and Trudeau is gone. You know, you're so right, Celine, and also that narrative that these were misogynists, these were Islamophobes, homophobes, I mean, you, you name it. And yet the statistics show that crime went down in Ottawa <laughs> while the Freedom Convoy was there. And then news this week that broke, I think it was Blacklocks that broke the story that about David Cassidy, the Unifor local 444 rep from Windsor, um, there were police notes submitted to the inquiry, which indicated he was going to round up. I, I mean, it sounds preposterous, but a thousand auto workers in Windsor to go down to the Ambassador Bridge blockade, bust heads and then, quote, 
throw them in the Detroit River, which I can tell you is uh, not a Caribbean cruise in the month of February. I mean, and there's been virtually no mainstream media coverage of this actual call to violence and even something beyond violence when you're throwing people in the Detroit River in February. Gee, Celine, I wonder, would that be because most of the mainstream media is unionized by Unifor? <laughs> Oh, you know, that's that's a great question, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that's that's the question of the hour, in fact, David. But um, yeah, no, there's um, there was none of that. I mean, yeah. you've you've been following the commission uh, yeah. as well as I have. Right. Right. From the beginning, there has been no proof or no evidence of any of that. I actually remember um, it was uh, deputy minister or uh, deputy chief police. Dana Early from uh, Windsor Police Service that actually provided that information in her testimony. Those were all accounts that I heard while being in the commission that <laughs> truckers wanted to use their heavy machinery to knock other people or police. Uh, it wasn't given Jeez. in explicit like context into the river. And it's crazy. None of these things happened. It was also only during her testimony that apparently there was like three alleged bombings or threat of bombings. I mean, I don't know. It, it's all honestly a clown show. And I'm so surprised that it's gone on this long that Rulo hasn't just stood up and, and, and just said, like, this is all a farce. You know, there's literally been no evidence all these four weeks that actually suggest that there's proof that the Emergencies Act needed to be invoked. He hasn't yet. But like, you know, I hope he does. No, <laughs> I really uh, do. I really uh, do. Yeah, I, I think when the prime minister testifies, and the one I'm waiting for the most, Celine, is um, Marco Pinocchio. I mean, Mendicino. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm going to look at our, our Twitter feed and throw to a couple of clips. And mm -hmm. uh, one of our tweets yesterday, huge, an RCMP endorsed policing plan that would not need the Emergencies Act to deal with the Freedom Convoy was never communicated to the Liberal cabinet Prior to them invoking the Emergencies Act, the commissioner, the commission hears. Why don't we just throw to that clip right now? But I, but I want you to, to concentrate on, on that scenario then. Cabinet is on the verge of invoking the Emergencies Act. You are their window on law enforcement. You told us this earlier. Your update to Cabinet as it is deciding whether to invoke the Emergencies Act is that the police now have a plan pulled it together, and that you, as the commissioner of the RCMP, consider that plan to be workable without the authorities of the Emergencies Act. And that doesn't get delivered. Your messages don't get delivered to cabinet when they then deliberate on the invocation of the act. You appreciate the significance of that scenario? Uh, yes and no, because we had spoken about the fact that we had an integrated planning cell, that we were bringing together a plan, an enforcement plan to go forward. So there was talk about a plan and that a plan was in progress. I reported on that, I believe, in, in my previous IRG. So it wasn't a brand new concept. Um, but yes, in fact, the fact that we now had a plan, I, I'm not sure if it was signed off either. Um, as of that point, because we were having difficulty getting it signed off, we didn't realize it needed to be signed off. Well, you know, Celine, anytime anyone begins an answer with yes and no, <laughs> which are <laughs> diametrically opposed, I sure raise one spocky and eyebrow to the max. What did you make of that answer? Well, you know, just before that um, as well, they they went through the fact that um, this plan had already been approved by OPS, w, um, WPS, um, and other um, officials within the RCMP. So you have clearance from all the police to use this plan uh, to be able to negotiate with protesters, right? So we already concluded in previous testimonies as well that um, that was what they wanted, and in multiple ways was a shutdown. Another example is at the Coots blockade, um, ex-Transport uh, Minister of Alberta, Rajan Sani, she was withheld from the provincial government in Alberta from actually going forward and being able to, to conduct those, um, well, just to hear them out, right? That's mm -hmm. this, was, uh, this was one 
consecutive voice across Canada and the government wanted literally nothing to do with it. And that's pretty crazy considering at the time it was the biggest thing happening in the entire world. Um, but I think that it was purposeful for her to withhold that information. Um, and maybe that's going out on a, on, on a limb, but um, I don't think that that's accidental. I mean, she's pretty incompetent at her job and that's very clear. But at the same time, you can't have something like that approved by how many people and have it go over the head of how many ministers, mm. even the, the prime minister of, uh, of Canada. There's no way. And, and, you know, I'm glad, Celine, that you mentioned Coots because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that was where there were RCMP officers that actually went and sabotaged, um, uh, vandalized heavy equipment for absolutely no good reason, causing perhaps hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage. I don't know who ends up paying for that, but I mean, is how in the world is that effective policing going to, you know, construction equipment and yanking all the wires out of it so it can't work anymore? It, that's baffling to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And another thing that was also addressed during the so the two testimonies from Coot, Coots was uh, by uh, convoy lawyer Brendan Miller when he addressed the rumors that there were two RCMP officers, females at that, um, who were told, and this is alleged, of course, they would never do this. Why would the RCMP ever do this? Um, but they snuck in um, guns in a hockey bag. Those are the rumors. And it was, again, two females, right, in a large crowd of males to just go in there, plant the guns. I mean, it sounds sounds legit to me, you know, but again, these are just rumors that he addressed. And of course, um, they had no knowledge of this whatsoever. So that just kind of paints for you a, a picture of the extent that they are potentially willing to go to. And I mean, if we look at the horse trampling and, you know, the baton beating and the brutal arrests and and those drives outside the city where they just chuck people out of their paddy wagons and left. I mean, of course, they wouldn't go to those lengths, right? No, really. I mean, the, the guns in the hockey bag thing, it sounds like a rejected script from the 60s uh, TV series, <laughs> Mission Impossible almost. But we got, I, I promised a, a second clip, and this is about, uh, Celine, Freedom Convoy lawyer Brandon Miller um, pressing uh, Commissioner Lucky about previous pressure she faced to allegedly assist with a federal government narrative on gun control mm -hmm. following the 2020 Nova Scotia mass shooting. I think this is very interesting indeed. Let's check out this clip. Previously, the political executive has asked you to do certain things in investigations, such as release information that could undermine an investigation. You remember that? You'll have to be more specific of what you're referring to. You agree that happened when you were asked by federal ministers to release the form of firearms the RCMP in Nova Scotia knew were used in the mass shooting while the investigation was ongoing? Remember? But what are you referring to specifically? I'm referring to the issue with respect to releasing the forms of firearms for the purpose of furthering the legislation. There was no pressure to do that. Right. And but the minister asked you to do it. No, the minister asked me if, in fact, the information about the firearms would be part of a media release. Right. And when he it didn't ask me to put that in there. Right. And when it wasn't, there's the transcript and the recording with respect to that. Uh, that you had said uh, to some of your colleagues, why couldn't this have been done? The minister asked for a small ask, why wasn't it done? That's not the context in which that was taken. Oh, it's so frustrating. It's like you're going to the zoo and you're saying to her, I see an animal with a tail and a trunk and tusks. I think it's an elephant. And she goes, what do you mean, an elephant? Um, Celine, <laughs> I, I find this really intriguing because, I mean, in fairness, uh, I guess there's no concrete proof that Bill Blair or Marco Mendicino or even uh, Prime Minister Trudeau uh, compelled um, Commissioner Lucky to get that gun information from that active uh, investigation uh, pertaining to the, that 2020 uh, horrible massacre in Nova Scotia. So here's the question. Um, do you think she was acting on... Um, a demand, uh, an, uh, an, an ask from one of these individuals or someone else? Or was Brenda Lucky, for whatever reason, freelancing? She just decided she was going and she would try to, you know, help her boss in Ottawa, that being uh, PM Trudeau, uh, with getting the, the gun info. What do you think? You know, I, I think that there's two potentials, um, 
to that two hypotheticals I'll say. So, I mean, one to impress her masters. Yes. Um, it would have been a freelance job where she just decided, you know, this is great. This advances, this advances their uh, political agenda. Um, uh, anything gun related, Justin Trudeau just jumps on it. He's so afraid of Canadians with guns. It's, it's rather pathetic. Um, or the second case is that she was just directly instructed. Um, I don't think that from what we've seen at the commission, that that would, that would be anything outside of, of what, like the overall vibe, the feeling that she gives off with her incompetence of not even being able to recall uh, how many examples of very general information. I mean, the one, I don't know if we have a, a clip of it, but I'll just mention um, that she was asked about an event that took place. Um, it was during the night. This was in Ottawa, or it was a meeting, uh, excuse me. And she says that uh, she went to bed at, she didn't know, she went to bed at 10 p.m. It's like if you're trying to portray this convoy as being the most dangerous thing with their crazy bouncy castles, the hot tub parties, the children laughing and smiling in the streets while people laugh and are cheery and merry for the first time in two years as uh, some sort of insurrectionist movement. But like you felt OK enough to just go to bed at like 10 p.m., like just to check in early. That's it's insane. David, I'm serious. If you're there in person, like whew, it's crazy. No, I know. And I go back to the early days of the convoy and you had Ottawa residents talking about, oh, that horn honking. Oh, those diesel fumes. I, I got I was there for most of the convoy, Celine. And when my head hit the pillow, it was lights out and we were right in downtown Ottawa. Uh, I don't know why these uh, Ottawa folk are such snowflakes, but I, would, I do want to point this out. Why not have our beloved colleague, Alexa Lavoie, take the stand? She was shot by a cylinder, uh, and if it had not hit her in the thigh, if it had hit her in the head, we might be talking about Alexa in the past tense. And uh, this is an incident at the so time uh, acting chief uh, Bell said he uh, had no knowledge of. Um, I, I went to the press conference with Alexa an, an hour before that. She was literally being interviewed by Russian TV about this. It was around the world. So again, when it comes to law enforcement and when it comes to uh, a member of the uh, non-mainstream media getting hurt, it seems to be, again, it's the Sergeant Schultz routine. Uh, you know, so is there a political agenda here or do you think that the likes of a Steve Bell and perhaps a Brenda Lucky didn't even know about this? Or, or they were, again, lying through their teeth. Well, I think uh, due to the fact that uh, former chief of police in Ottawa, Pierce Lilly, has his own counsel, um, that says a lot. That, that particular detail to me, without even the first day commencing and listening to the testimonies that followed with it, I knew that something very interesting was happening and, and the dynamics as as we foresaw them to be, will be very different from how they actually are. I think that um, from the previous testimonies given from his colleagues, um, as well as a lot of the, the city officials from inside Ottawa, I think that he was uh, not just obviously very pressured to step down, but the his position was taken from him. And when interim chief Steve Bell stepped in, um, there is actually documentation of Brenda Lucky stepping in and giving her two cents when because RCMP don't have jurisdiction. And she made sure to say that how many times to try and throw that hot potato of uh, responsibility, so to speak, onto someone else's lap. Mm. Um, she kind of gave herself away also in, in saying that, because if you don't have jurisdiction in Ottawa, why are you getting involved in the politics here with policing, especially in regards to who the chief would be? going forward. And I stand to be corrected, but I'm pretty sure that Steve Bell is still actually the chief of Ottawa police currently since what, nine, 10 months ago. Mm. Well, Celine, it has been fascinating stuff. Um, one last question before we wrap things up. Uh, the one I really want to see testify even more than the prime minister is indeed public safety minister Marco Mendicino. And it's because I think the greatest lie ever uttered was Mendicino saying that it was law enforcement agencies that pressured the government to invoke the Emergencies Act. He has never said which law enforcement agency, which law enforcement personnel. I don't, uh, no law enforcement ag agency has come forward and said, oh yeah, yeah, it was us, it was us. So when Mendicino is under oath, I can't wait for that question to be asked. 
What are you looking forward to in the days ahead in terms of others who might be taking the stand? Definitely uh, Transportation Minister Omar Algebra, because it seems like, <laughs> like Mendicino, he had such a hand, such a reach into this, and it's going to be exploited. I mean, unless they pull a Brenda Lucky, I mean, they can't all just like fiend losing information. Like they need psych analysis after that, if that's the case. Like they can't potentially retain their positions if they just claim they don't remember things like that on a day to day basis. Like that's absolutely insane. But first of all, besides Omar and Mendicino, Justin Trudeau. What is he going to say? What is going to come out of it? I, I'm really very curious, David. I mean, I'm even more curious. Will there be media scrums? You know, is he going to mm. demand in, in one of his emotional outbursts that everybody leave the room? I'm not going to say anything until everyone's out. You know, uh, don't don't uh, don't uh, televise this. I'm not sure because with CSIS, um, uh, we haven't found out yet, but it might even be the case that uh no one will be allowed in the room when certain members from CSIS come forward and, and drop their truth bomb that they've been hiding. I have no idea what it could be. None of the, the convoy lawyers, um, they don't understand either why that would be necessary. And then again, Rulo decides if any of that gets out and the next week will be crazy. So I hope that they show up. I hope that they give their testimonies. Will they be honest? Do oaths mean anything? I think this will put Canada to the test because so far it's been an embarrassment to hear the things that these city officials representing all of Canada have said. Oh, 100%. Well, Celine, your coverage has been absolutely superb. I look forward to more of it in the days ahead. And thank you so much for joining me on the Ezra Levin Show tonight. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. And that was Celine Galas in Ottawa. Keep it here, folks. More of the Ezra Levent Show to come right after this. Well, folks, lots of response regarding Ezra's monologue regarding the chief medical health officer here in Ontario recommending but not mandating that people mask up yet again. Moridge01 writes, That makes sense. Let's bring back policies that caused this mess in the first place. There's something seriously deranged with these people's thinking process. Oh, you are so right, sir. And also, once again, no sooner was that announced and echoed by Premier Doug Ford did we get to see the one rule for thee, one rule for thee play out. And by that, folks, I mean Doug Ford and most of the MPPs in uh, the legislature on Monday were, well, guess what? Maskless. Unbelievable. The level of, of hypocrisy. And what's next? The businesses, unless you're Costco, Walmart, or the LCBO, have to shut down too? Uh-uh. Not going to happen. Local Guide writes, anyone can be a school trustee. When I lived in Toronto, there was a gay man with no kids on the local school board. Well, you know what? I don't think I'd have a problem with a gay man with no kids on a school board. I would trust, I would judge that trustee by his merit, not by his sexual orientation and whether or not he had children. And I'll tell you right now, the Toronto District School Board is maybe the worst school board in Canada after the Halton District School Board. And believe me, sexual orientation and kids aside, that's saying something, folks. Cheryl writes, The same issue has been battled in Ontario for years. A farmer up by Owen Sound wanted to use and sell his unpasteurized milk, but the government has taken him through the courts. I think this uh, letter, folks, is in regard to Jeremy Lafredo's wonderful reports on that Amish farmer who is being harassed uh, by the federal authorities in the U.S. for reasons that don't make sense. And I am aware of that unpasteurized milk story. Hey, for me, I say if you want to drink unpasteurized milk and you want to take on that risk, that is incumbent upon you to do so. We don't need the nanny state telling us what to eat, what to drink, and increasingly, what to think. Well, there you go, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Ezra Levent Show. 
I uh, hope you liked it. And uh, if you want to give me a second chance, in case you didn't, I'll be back tomorrow. And then I believe it's Sheila Gunn-Reed on Friday. Ezra's very busy these days. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope to see you at the Rebel Live event this Saturday in Whitby. It's going to be a fantastic Freedom Fest. I think there are still a few tickets left. In the meantime, as always, stay sane. Lincoln J reporting for Rebel News in Toronto. Now, today I'll be sharing with you my conversation with a fourth year student at Wilfrid Laurier University regarding the institution's decision to make masking mandatory. Camille Bashushi has been raising his concerns over the mandate on social media, which has drawn quite a bit of attention towards him. Not surprisingly, considering how many people that are in his situation simply don't speak up and voice their true opinion. According to their website, as of September 8th, Laurier will require masks for any indoor activity that is part of academic course delivery. Anyone not following the mask requirements may be required to leave the class and may face penalties. I had the opportunity to catch up with Camille on campus and get his opinion on the matter. Check it out. My name is Camille Bashushi. I'm a fourth year philosophy major here at Wilfrid Laurier University. I'm from, from Toronto originally, grew up there, was born there. Came here to, to pursue my degree, hopefully go to law school one day and uh, see if I can help some people out. The reaction, I guess, from the student body itself, I was kind of surprised with the overall lack of willingness to fight these these kind of mandates. I thought that, that more people would be on uh, on board or at least on the same page as me in the sense that we need to move on with this. We need to, we need to start living our lives again without any of these masks or uh, ostracization of of students that that refuse to to get vaccinated. I would say overall, the the students were there's there's half that are that are with me on this, but not willing necessarily to, to take the mask off or throw throw a, an alternate form of face covering on. But uh, you see in classes where they don't even where the teachers don't even enforce it that that students are going to wear it regardless of uh, of what their what their teachers are telling them to do. At the end of the day, the school can't inf can't uh, can't direct these kind of mandates without the teachers, you know, kind of doing their bidding for them. Um, so in classes where the teachers aren't mandating it, you see you see kind of a 75-25 split. So so teachers, so students aren't necessarily wearing it right away. On, on the first day of class, I mean, everyone was wearing it and I just walked in without one. And uh, I guess that kind of created a little domino effect in those classes. But in the, in the classes where, uh, where students are, I guess, forced to, to, put, to wear the mask, um, you you see you see full compliance. I, I would say no one's no one's throwing a bucket on their head or anything. I'm sick and tired of these masks. Um, we we know that the the science doesn't necessarily support them anymore. Someone had to do something. I mean, w going around wearing these masks, taking them off as if nothing happened at the end of the day is is uh, it's it's crazy to me. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, I'm, I was sick and tired of it. So rather than taking the mask off and trying to to protest that way, I, I thought, okay, might as well, might as well not risk getting kicked out of school, and uh, and I, I decided that maybe wearing a Ziploc bag or a bucket, I have something else planned for today. But I thought that that would be a good way to protest it, get some, uh, raise some, a little bit of awareness. I mean, obviously, I couldn't anticipate the amount of support I got, and I, I thank everyone that that uh, that saw the post, shared it, um, um, helped helped, I guess shine a light on what what these what the school's doing and it's not just Laurier I mean you see what's happening at Western it's, and I would say it's even worse um, with the vax mandate but but I guess I uh, just wanted to raise awareness hopefully get these mandates dropped uh, if enough people if enough people stand up and say enough's enough I think we can get uh, a good a good a positive uh, outcome out of this so I've had a few teachers actually contact me and uh, I've had some good conversations with teachers that that do support what I'm doing and uh, and are happier I guess Proud that I'm standing up for the for the rights of the students and the and the faculty. Um, I've actually I've had some students come up to me saying they've seen the tweet or or seen uh, or heard from their buddies that I was I was putting a bucket on my head to to try and protest these mandates. So so I guess the I haven't had any negative negative uh, attention or or I guess uh, nobody's nobody's really harassed me about about not wearing a mask. But but yeah, I've gotten some some positive uh, some positive feedback from from people I've never met before, which is obviously encouraging. I wanted to find out how much the mandate is being enforced by faculty at the university and if he's concerned about any potential consequences for speaking out publicly. I would say most are turning a blind eye, um, at least in the classes I'm taking for the teachers are 
are relaxed. They didn't try and put up a fight when I walked in and refused to wear the mask. Um, the, the reason I'm wearing, wearing the, the buckets, or I guess the, the different forms of mask every class is because I have one teacher that uh, basically threatened to, to have us physically removed from the class if we weren't covering our faces. And yeah, it's uh, I, obviously that's, for, for me, that's, it's, it's too much. I don't think that's okay. We're, I mean, we're in Canada here. We're, this isn't, this isn't uh, an authoritarian country. So, I, so as far as I know, and uh, we need to stand up for our rights and our choices. As far as the, the guidelines and the regulations are concerned, I've been following everything to the letter maybe more than uh, the administration would like me to, but um, I don't think that this is grounds for expulsion, suspension, or, or any form of, uh, of uh, consequence, really. Unless the students stand up and say something, I think the, the mask mandate's here to stay at Lori. I mean, they have no reason to. I don't know how long they're gonna be able to do this. I mean, I think day by day, we have, we have more and more people seeing, seeing through all the, all the, the BS that they're, that they're, that they're feeding us. And, and I, think, I think eventually we're gonna hopefully no, no longer have masks or vac vaccine requirements. Let us live, let us make our choices. I don't think anyone's here to abide by your rules. Um, we aren't hurting anyone, we aren't causing any harm. Let us live our lives, let us make our choice, our own choices. I mean, we see the efficacy of these things and, and uh, there, there's a lack of enough's enough. I mean, this isn't, this, this, this whole power game, this, uh, these authoritarian draconian measures, uh, they're, they're, it's too much, it's too much, I mean, You'll, you'll, when you when you force these authoritarian measures on people, I mean, there's always a revolt. And my message, I guess, is uh, enough, enough. Well, guys, I'm not expecting much, but I thought, why not give Laurier a call? I'm calling the media contact for Laurier, so let's see what happens. Welcome to Wilfrid Laurier University. If this is an emergency, please dial 33. If you have any entering the phone number, press number sign. You have been forwarded to a voicemail system. However, the person at 3684 does not subscribe to this service. Your session cannot be continued at this time. Well, that's it. I'll send them an email also, not expecting much, don't know if they'll get back to me. If there's any updates on this story guys, I'll make sure to let you guys know. If you disagree with mandatory masking, you can visit our website at nomoremask.ca, sign the petition and have your voice heard. Thanks so much for watching guys, this is Lincoln J for Rebel News.